Hello, good evening. Welcome to the last and final week of Hallowed. So as usual, the plan is um, pretty similar to how it has been in the other weeks. We'll start with a story. And tonight we have got the lovely Judy who has come to share her story. I'm really excited about that. And then we're going to hear from Simon, who's going to talk to us about praying with others and how we pray with other people. And then we're going to actually do some praying at the end as well. Okay, I know. Fancy having a prayer, a prayer course, eh? <laughs> Brilliant. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Judy, who's going to share some of her stories of prayer. So, are you all sitting comfortably? <laughs> then I begin. If those of you don't know me, I am Judy Marshall and I'm married to Les Marshall for 54 years. No, it's not a jail sentence, it really isn't. Um, no, it's two. <laughs> I'll see you later. Uh, um, it's a, this is a hard story for me, but um, I'm going to tell it and I pray God will help me to get it across to everybody in this room. I was 40, around about 40 years old when I was diagnosed with osteoarthritis. I'm now 76. At the time, um, it was in my left knee and both of my feet. And I was being treated, we were living in Chelmsford and I was being treated with painkillers. Pardon? We were living in Chelmsford. We were moved, we moved down um, to Peacehaven in Sussex when, because of Leslie's job, um, they gave him two places to be, either Scotland or Brighton, so we chose Brighton. And it was there that I actually came to Christ. And three months later, what joy, so did my husband. And we was at a fellowship in Peacehaven for quite a few years. However, um, it broke up and the people in our church were devastated and we decided that we would get together those who wanted to stay and not go to another church to make another fellowship. And Leslie and another man were their leaders. That lasted for quite a while and then for some reason it failed. Anyway, we ended up going to CCK in Brighton under the um, expert of Terry Virgo. It was a very big church. It had lots and lots of stairs, all going round, meeting at the top, and then another door, and you go up another flight of stairs to, the, to a big, big room. What's it called, Les? The auditorium. That's it, the auditorium. I couldn't go up those stairs. I used to go up by lifts, but there you go. Now then, I, was, I went to see my doctor because I was having... Um, it was the last of the um, injections of steroids in my knee. And she said to me, um, the doctor that you're going to see, uh, the surgeon actually, wants his own set of x-rays. The x-rays I had um, before that were about six months old. So um, I said, okay. So I went along and had the x-rays done. And then I went... Uh, well, I went back to CCK and thought nothing more of it. A few weeks later, we was in CCK. I put my hand up because there was a, a call for prayer and I put my hand up like that because I wanted to be prayed for. And there was about four or five people in front of me and I don't know how many behind, but I remember one person behind me was Pete Linden, who was at our time our leader 
in our house group. I was prayed for, and I can only tell you now how it felt. It felt like heat from the top of my head went through the whole of my body down to my feet. And I was bouncing up and down in the chair. Everybody, I knew I'd been healed because the pain completely gone. There was no pain in my knee, no pain in my feet, no pain in my body anywhere. The church went wild, <laughs> as you can expect. It was wonderful, wasn't it, Les? I'll never forget that. I know God healed me. And to prove it, I went outside to the ladies' toilets and I decided I would run. I ran all the way around, all the way around the toilet upstairs, all the way down the flight of stairs, all the way around, up again the other, and did it again. And I have felt no pain. It was wonderful. I was due to see the um, consultant, I think that was on the Wednesday or the Thursday, and I said to Leslie, I'm not going. I don't need to go and see him. I'm healed. I know I am. He said, no, you better go. He said, just to get it confirmed. Bearing in mind that I had the x-ray done three weeks and a half weeks before I saw the surgeon, and I walked in and I sat down and I said to him, he said hello, there was another young doctor with him um, who sat there with his legs crossed with a pen and, 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 a, and a pad next to him. He just said, this is uh, whoever his name was, I can't remember. He said, do you mind him being here? I said, no, I don't. I, don't. I said, but before you say anything, I want to tell you something. I said, I am a born-again Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. And on Sunday morning, I was healed. And I don't need to come and see you anymore. And he looked at me like that. He got up from the chair. He took his file with him, with the x-rays that I had done three weeks before. Three weeks before I actually was healed. He took them over to the machine on the wall. He looked at it. He looked at the other one. He looked through his file and he said, you are Judy Marshall? Yes. And this is, you live 54 Beacons Lane? Yes. And he looked at the, the things again and he said, hmm, there you have it. There you don't. Three weeks before it was manifested in me, that his x-ray showed that I didn't have it. So, and he said, mm, I've seen this sort of thing happen before. He said, but, but I don't believe it. I said, look, I'm sitting here as proof, and that x-ray proves it. Why don't you believe? Hmm, I am a Muslim. As if that meant anything. That was all he said. The young doctor next to him never said a word, but he sat there like... I walked free of any pain in my body for nigh on seven years. But one day, I don't know when it was exactly, I started feeling pins and needles and pains in my knees, in my ankles, my shoulders, and my spine. 
I thought, oh, I've overdone it. I've done too much because I could do all sorts of things which I couldn't do before. I've done too much gardening. Or I've got too much shopping. Done something. I try to anything but believe that it's come back. But it got so bad that I had to go to the doctor again and he confirmed it with a blood test that I had it again. I was so disappointed. I was so angry at myself. I was angry at God. I said, what is going on? This is stupid. I refused to believe it. I blamed myself. I said to Leslie, what have I done? What have I done wrong? Why have I got it back? Why was I, what have I done? Have I not believed enough? What have I done? He said, you've done nothing. You've done nothing, love. It's just one of those things. It wasn't good enough. Not for me. I went to my pastor and I told him about it. And he said exactly the same thing. In fact, everybody that I spoke to, all they said to me, you've done nothing wrong. You've done nothing wrong. And I didn't believe it. I was so angry at God, so angry with myself. But what I'm forgetting is that we're not fighting against things that we can see. We are fighting against the principalities in this world. And unfortunately, I must have been somewhere down the line listening to the wrong voice. Anyway, it went on and on. And I was more and more depressed. I said to Leslie, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to know anybody. I don't want to see anybody. I was pushing everybody away from me. In fact, I was a real misery. That went on for quite a long while. And then I realized one day that this wasn't doing me any good, my lovely husband any good, my beautiful children good, any good, all my friends that were still with me, but I kept pushing them away. And I took a look at myself, and I didn't like what I saw. So I said to myself, this has got to stop. So I started to thank God for what I have got. I thank God that I have a husband who loves me. I thank God for the children that I have and my lovely grandchildren who love me, for my church family who love me, for my friends who love me. And I said to God, right, what can I do? And he's, I felt him telling me, you can encourage. You can encourage. He didn't, I didn't lose everything. My fingers are all going in different directions now. They've got a will of their own some of the time, but I can still make my cards. So I started making cards for our street for their people's birthdays, anniversaries that I found out about, Christmas, Easter, those sort of cards. And I sent them out with messages, telling them they, do they want any prayer? And we brought, had some lovely replies back, didn't we, dear? So I knew that helped. And I can still make cards, but it takes me a lot longer now to make them. I can't do as well as I could. And some of you in this room have received cards that I have made, haven't you? Some of you, I look round and see, and I, you know, and, and I'm, I'm thankful to God for it. I may never be healed again in this world, but I am never giving up. Every time there is a meeting and there is prayer, you see me going forward. 
I will keep on going forward. I will keep asking to be, to be healed. And if it's manifested in me again, wonderful. And I'm asking you all here today, if you are waiting, asking God for anything in your life, keep on praying. Keep on praying. Don't ever give up. Because you'll be sure the moment you give up, that could have been the time when your miracles would become. So please don't give up. Pray, thanking God for it. Keep it up tight hold. Keep it inside of you. Thank God that you've got it and never, ever, ever let it go. I'm not. I'll tell you that much for a start. And I don't want any of you lot either. Brilliant. How good was that? That's amazing. Do you know what's really funny is um, when I first asked Judy to do that, I said, oh, Judy, can you come and share a story about unanswered prayer? You know, because I know you've got faith. And she went, well, I can. But, you know, I've got this story where God did heal me. And he just told me this amazing story. And I was like, yeah, and that can be our attitude sometimes, can't it? It can be like, let's focus on the unanswered prayer and the things that haven't happened. And then we don't give God the glory for the things that have happened. So that was a great. She's got something else to say. Um. The, doctor, the, the surgeon, that when I told him I was healed and everything, and he, he turned around and said, got a piece of paper, got a pen in his hand. He said, you're claiming you were healed, aren't you? And I said, yes. And he said, so he wrote on this piece of paper, patient claims miracle healing. And he un underlined it in red and put it in his folder. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much for that. Okay, I could listen to Judy all night and uh, that would be great, but we have to draw an end and Simon has to come and speak. Not that like it's a downgrade or anything, but I mean, <laughs> I better stop digging this hole. Simon. <laughs> so a local church were having their regular prayer meeting and after they'd finished praying around the world and praying for their local town, and praying for some situations in the church, uh, the, the person leading the prayer meeting said, would, would anyone else like prayer for anything? And he looked out, and there was a, a guest who he didn't recognize in the room. And the guest said, yeah, I would like prayer for something. I would like prayer for my hearing. The man said, oh, this is wonderful. A few of them gathered round him placed their hands on his ears. One man commanded whatever was stopping his hearing to be gone in Jesus' name. One man prayed and thanked God in advance for the healing. One man prayed and, 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 and prayed that this healing would be a witness to the man's family. They finished and said, how is it now? And the man said, I don't know, I'll tell you, it's on Wednesday. Sorry, I let that sink in. You might need to turn to the person next to you and say, what? what was that? There we go. So tonight we're talking about praying with others. Praying with others. And hopefully I don't need to convince you about the importance of praying with others, with other people. Um, but I think as we look at the reasons for praying with others, it might change perhaps how we do it and how we approach it. So when we're talking about praying with others, we're talking about maybe praying with uh, someone else that you pray with on a Sunday morning. It might be praying in your midweek group. 
It might be praying with a friend that you have and you meet up with. Uh, it might be in your family. It might be at prayer meetings. It might be at other gatherings. And so tonight, I want us to look at five reasons to pray with others. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's more, and these are in no particular order. Perhaps you'll think of yours um, as we go through the evening. But these are the ones that I felt particularly stirred about tonight to, to speak into. Five reasons to pray with others. And first one is this, because we're all different. Um, you may be aware of that picture that the Apostle Paul um, gives in 1 Corinthians 12 of, a, of the image of a, the church being like a body. And he says, you know, the eye can't say to the hands that I don't need you. Uh, we need each other. And we need each other to pray. There's a, an African proverb that says, one hand cannot lift a heavy load. You, know, you think about that, don't you? I think, you know, I, think, I think it's really helpful. I mean, what do you do when you, you're lifting a heavy load? What parts of your body are involved? All of it. Let's be a bit more specific than that, okay? <laughs> you're absolutely right. But what parts are involved? Two hands, yep, yeah, okay. What else was there? Legs, yeah, our legs are involved, aren't they, as we pick it up? Back, yes. Eyes, yeah, we might be looking at what we're picking up. Um, all sorts of things are involved, aren't they? One hand cannot lift a heavy load. It's a whole body thing. And it's the same when it comes to prayer. You know, we have different temperaments as people, different outlooks, different insights, different characters. And, and to think that we have the whole picture on something is, is really misguided and maybe often even arrogant. We need each other as we pray. I love that illustration that Karen used last week where she talked about how she has prayed many times with Liz about a situation. And uh, Karen will pray and, you know, pray a particular way. And Liz will then pray and pray her particular way and give a different insight into the way they're praying. Neither are right, uh, sorry, neither are wrong. Actually, what's happening is they're complementing each other uh, because they're different. They see things differently, and they may, that may influence the way they pray. We need one another because we're all different. And we need our cultural diversity as well in that. You know, our culture, majority of us, we white western that's the culture we've grown up in but we might have particular subcultures within that our culture will have different blind spots it will and we need we need to learn from our brothers and sisters from perhaps other cultures from different nations as we pray we need you and you need us and we can learn from one another as we pray now, how do you do that how, how do we do that how can you develop in that well what i would say is Start by making friends. Make friends with people from other cultures. Make friends with people who are different to you. And, and let actually prayer and learning to pray in your different ways come out of friendship and relationship. Okay, so one reason to pray together is because we're all different. Secondly, we learn, it's because we learn to pray. We learn to pray. See, sometimes we can think that prayer is like automatic. You know, once you become a Christian, 
you're kind of automatically downloaded the way to pray. And it's fine, and it's perfect. And you can just get on and pray. You have this wonderful prayer life because now you become a Christian. Well, even Jesus' disciples, didn't they? What did they say to Jesus? Look, teach, us, teach us how to pray, they said. Teach us how to pray. And see, so much of the Christian life, as we know, is to be learnt from one another, isn't it? You know, I, I, perhaps, you, perhaps this is the same for you as well, but I learnt through, I learnt praying by, pray, learnt how to pray by praying with others, by going to prayer meetings, and I didn't say much for a long time, but I, I was listening and learning and hearing others pray. I learnt to pray as I met with my friend Duncan in the Students' Union at the university, and uh, he would meet up with me every week, and then he'd say, right, and shall we now pray? And I'd be thinking, no, we're in a student's union. We can't pray. And he would pray. And then I would learn to pray after him. That's how we learn, isn't it? We learn with others. And do you know what? I think I'm still learning how to pray as I pray with others. And I'm certainly, I tell you what, I'm certainly learning how to pray when I pray with new Christians. Christ, new Christians who haven't learned all the religious words, who haven't learned perhaps the, the kind of religious way to do it. There's, there's often, do you know what, there's often a rawness, isn't there? A kind of genuineness that comes with praying with new Christians. This is what Terry Virgo says, in fact, about that. He says, if we are not careful, religious eloquence, that's like you know, saying it in a very kind of flowery, religious way, religious eloquence can replace childlike and genuine faith, while the newest convert can often bring a note of unvarnished reality that helps everyone back to earth and restores some authenticity. Do you know, I love that. I love when new Christians pray on a Sunday morning. I love when young people pray and you get this rawness, this genuineness from their prayers. So some of us need to pray with others to learn how to pray, and some of us need to pray with others to help them to learn how to pray. And, you know, when we're thinking about how we pray with others to help them to learn how to pray, you know, that might mean changing how we pray at that particular moment. You know what? Praying with our youth group, for instance, if you're praying with our youth group, it may not go down that well if you start praying and quoting Judges, Revelation, Hebrews, and then singing a, a chorus, quoting a chorus from your favorite 80s worship song. It might, it might not, it may bless them, it might not help them to learn, oh, and I can pray too. Because that's what we need to be thinking, isn't it? As we pray with others, perhaps, and helping them to learn how to pray. How can I help them to pray and how, how, can I, how can I help them to see this is how we pray and I can pray too? We want to help them to learn how to pray. So it's important to learn because we learn to pray. We learn to pray ourselves and we can teach others to pray. Okay, so thirdly, because we're on the same mission. We pray with others because we're on the same mission. I, I will look through the book of Acts in preparation for this and looked through all the different times that they prayed in the book of Acts. And it's, it's littered through all of Acts. Uh, you know, the Acts is the, the beginning of the church, the beginning of the early church. It's after Jesus' earthly ministry. And, and mainly those prayers in Acts are because they've been invited on this mission. 
this mission that Jesus has invited on, hasn't he? He said, he said, as you go into the world, make disciples of all men and women, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And surely I'll be with you to the very end of the age. We call it the, the um, Great Commission, don't we? And, uh, you know, that's, that's most of their prayers are because they've been invited on this mission with Jesus. So, for example, Acts chapter 4, you get Peter and John have been arrested for talking about Jesus. And uh, they've been told not to speak anymore about Jesus. And when they go back to the other disciples, when the, when the other disciples heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Because they knew God had them on this mission. They had to keep speaking about Jesus. And they raised their voices in prayer together to God. You see, we have a vision in Jubilee. And uh, it's, it's this. It's bringing the joy news of Jesus to everyone everywhere. Really, it, really it's just a rehash. Let me let, let, me into a se- let me let you into a secret. It's really just a rehash of the Great Commission. It's really just a, 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 a different way of saying Go into the world and make disciples. It really is. We want to bring the joy news of Jesus to everyone, everywhere. And we have our vision and our values and our spotlights. And they just, those things help us to know how we're going to do this. And so the reason I'm showing you this is because usually when we are thinking about a prayer meeting, we're usually thinking, and we always look at our, this, this diagram here and think, are we, are we hitting that? As we come to pray, is there something, are there things where we're, we're hitting our vision, we're praying about the vision Jesus has given us to bring the joy news to everyone everywhere? And you see, because then praying about the mission that God has us on means we don't get too focused on ourselves. We don't get, we don't get overwhelmed that it's all about me, it's what I can do. No, no, we come and we go... God, you have a great mission. You're on a great mission. In fact, it's not something we've come up with. You're on a great mission, and you've invited us into it. And hey, we're going to pray that you bring it about in these days. And do you know what? It also reminds us that, that on this mission that we're on, prayer is our weapon. Prayer is our weapon. This is what... Um, I've been reading a lot of Charles Spurgeon in order to prepare for this. And Charles Spurgeon, the old Baptist preacher from the 1800s, he, he, he gave this sermon about the importance of praying together. And uh, he again talked about that moment where Peter and John were arrested. And, they, and then they go back to the disciples and they raise their voices together and pray. And he says, what is, what is the weapon that this new church take up in this mission that they've got when they face this challenge? What is it? It's prayer. That's right. Their weapon is prayer. And he says this, Whatever may be the danger of the times, and each age has its own particular hazard. You know, we will have the danger of our times as they did in the the days of Acts, as they did in the days of Spurgeon. We may rest in calm assurance that our defense is of God, and we may avail ourselves of that defense in the same way by abounding in prayer. Prayer, that's our weapon. And it's been the weapon of the church down the ages. Okay, fourthly, because we meet with God when we pray with others. We meet with God when we pray with others. Now, I'm not saying we don't meet with God when we're on our own. I'm not saying that, because we do. But, 
as I was, again, as I was looking through the book of Acts, I was realizing that when they prayed, God was powerfully present with them. You know, he would be guiding them in ways to go. The room would shake as they met with him. There'd be healings. There'd be people being filled with God's presence. They were meeting with him. You know, we don't come when we pray with others. We're not necessarily just coming with our list. We're coming to encounter the living God. We're coming to recognize who he is. We're coming to kind of know his love for us. We're coming to realize that, uh, recognize that our encountering of him isn't dependent on how good our day's been or how bad our day's been. It's based on his love and his grace and his goodness. And we can come to him. And, and see, we might encounter one another, we, sorry, we might encounter God through one another. So we might encounter God as we lay hands on one another. We might encounter God as someone brings a prophetic word. Um, and we know God is with us. You know, this, this, just this weekend at the prayer meeting, we were, we were worshipping, wonderfully led by Chris and Hannah, and uh, just sensing God, God is with us. And, uh, you know, that's that sense of worshipping together and knowing, oh, yeah, God is here. He's wonderful. He's faithful. And then, and then Neville brought this wonderful word about um, there's an open heaven. And, God, and, you know, we need to come in the sense that there's an open heaven. God hears our prayers. God is hearing our prayers tonight, and he's with us. And there was this sense of lifting in my spirit as I thought, we can really pray tonight. We can pray into the things of God because God hears us. He's faithful and we can come to him. You know, we, we, we encounter God through each other's prophetic words and through others' gifts. It's wonderful. Uh, and it's, that's not just for big prayer gatherings like that. Actually, it might just be even as you meet with a friend. You know, what does Jesus say? Look, it just needs two or three of you to gather together and then I'm there as well. You know, how many times have you done that? You've met with a friend and just sensed, oh, God's here. You know, perhaps you've come because there's a situation you're going through and you, you meet with a friend and that you just sense the peace of God or the presence of God in that situation. How many times has it been um, you've met with others like Judy this, this evening has given that story of, you know, God healing them, uh, healing her. How many times have you met with others to pray and, that, and you've, you know, there's been a wonderful healing moment Sometimes it's that, and then sometimes it's that sense of just the peace of God coming and knowing he's with me. Okay, and finally, um, we pray with others because more people praying is more effective. Okay? This is what um, Mike Betts, who Mike leads a group of churches within our New Frontiers family. And uh, he, he points, as he's talking about more people praying is more effective, he points to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, to make this point. And he says, in 2 Corinthians 1, Paul's having a tough time. He's having a really hard time in ministry. You know, he's despairing, there's difficulties. And, and Paul says this, on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. And he says it's that line, the prayers of many, that really got him thinking. You know, um, 
in the prayers of many might not necessarily be praying with others. Actually, it might be our individual prayers make the prayers of many. But what, is it, what, is, what it does suggest is this. The church can be most effective not when it's got more plans, not when it's got better projects, not when it's got perfect finance or bigger buildings, but, amen. But it becomes more effective through more people praying. And that must involve praying together, mustn't it? It must involve praying together. Um, and again, it's not just about the number of people praying. It's not like we're signing a petition and, you know, it's just about getting the numbers of people on a, on a sheet to give in a petition, you know, like you do. I've got 3,000 signatures or whatever. No, no, it's not just the number of signatures. I'd rather have a prayer meeting full of red-hot prayers than, you know, a, a stadium full of lukewarm people. Um, you know, you think about a fire. You know, you only need a few coal, hot coals, don't you? And you get a fire going. You really do. Um, and, and it's the same with prayer, actually. We, it's not just about numbers. But imagine, imagine what it'd be like if a whole church was prioritizing prayer, both individually and together. Wonderful. And listen, Spurgeon, again, Spurgeon had something to say about lots of people praying as well in the church. Uh, and he said, which is really interesting, he said, more people praying will mean you won't be praying just in your church building. And I was thinking, oh, that's interesting, isn't it? You know, I was thinking, you know, this, this Baptist minister from 150 years ago, I can imagine it all had to happen in the, uh, in the church building because that's what they did. The church building was the place you prayed. And uh, no, no, Spurgeon is saying, no, no, you need to be in your homes praying, praying as much on your sofas as you are in your chairs or on your pews. And he said it's this, it's use-. he said it's useful because... Um, because friends who are afraid to pray before a big, large group feel much more free and easy to pray in a private home. I'm thinking, this is Spurgeon. Wow, this is amazing. And then he said, sometimes too, the social element is consecrated by God. That means, you know, it's blessed by God, it's used by God. The social element is consecrated by God. This is a Victorian saying this. Because... Uh, it's consecrated by God to promote a greater warmth and further so that prayer will often burn in the family when perhaps it might have declined in the public assembly. You know, this is, this is Spurgeon saying, do you know what? I think he's saying it's okay to have fun when you pray. It's okay to be friends when you pray. It's okay to make prayer enjoyable and, and, and easy for everyone. Actually, we, he's saying we might pray better in the context of being friends together. Why not eat and pray? Why not meet up with a friend? You, we're going to eat and pray. Why not walk and pray if that's your thing? Hey, we're going to meet and walk and pray. Um, I, think, I think this is so freeing and so releasing. Let's be friends as we pray. Okay, so some, just a few final practical thoughts on prayers, on praying with others. Plan to pray. Some good advice, isn't it? Plan to pray. Make appointments with people. Say, we're going to pray together. Hey, why don't we get together to pray? Put the prayer meeting in your diary. Plan to come a little bit early on a Sunday morning and pray with people who pray upstairs in the room up these stairs here. Everyone's welcome. Come and pray from 9.15. Um, be spontaneous too. 
just when you're meeting up with people actually hey can we pray hey that situation you've shared with me can we pray for that be spontaneous make a prayer group or a prayer triplet we've often had those in jubilee as well say to two to other people hey hey could we perhaps meet maybe once a week once a fortnight once a month whatever works in your diary could we meet and pray or or could we pray over whatsapp um over time and you know or pray on the phone be creative be creative okay so there we go i think my time's up um and in conclusion five reasons to pray like i said there's likely more you may have more that you can discuss on your tables but these were my five for tonight because we're all different because we learn to pray because we're on the same mission together because we meet with god as we pray together and because more people praying is more effective Okay, so we're going to end there and have some discussion on your tables. Again, we've got some questions for you to, to um, help you in your discussions. But if there was something you wanted to talk about, about one of those five points maybe, or other reasons to pray with others that you've got, uh, this is your opportunity to do it and to discuss with others. And then we're going to come back um, to worship and to pray. Okay, thanks for listening.